Hello, my friends. Later in the show, we're going to talk to Alexa Lavoie, who's on the streets of London, England, bracing for a huge pro-Hamas protest tomorrow. But before that, I want to take you through a fascinating chart done by Abacus Research. That's a pro-liberal pollster who actually asked people, what do you dislike about Trudeau? And they gave about 20 different suggested answers. The results are fascinating. I'll take you through that. That's ahead. But first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to what we call Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. It's eight bucks a month, which might not sound like a lot of dough to you, but it adds up for us. Please help us. Go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe, and there you have it. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, a liberal pollster does the unthinkable and actually asks Canadians why they hate Trudeau. It's November 10th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. You know, in journalism, I think the greatest exercise of editorial control and therefore the greatest way that bias is expressed is not how any particular story is covered, but what stories are covered and what stories are not covered, what stories are ignored. And I think it's the same with opinion polls also. What questions are asked and what questions are not asked? Now, I think that the government usually asks every question. It's only certain ones that they release to the public, though. And, of course, the wording of a poll can get a different result depending on how you phrase it, which is why you you have to look deeper into a poll before you believe the result. But there is a pollster we talk about a fair bit here. I think it's actually my favorite pollster, and it's maybe because I got to know their statistician when I worked with them at Sun News Network a decade ago, David Kaleo, who I think is a really good guy, by the way. He works for Abacus. And there's no two ways about it. It is a liberal-affiliated company. Their chairman... uh, Bruce Cameron, longtime Trudeau insider. Um, so they're liberal. But I think that uh, David Coletto is, uh, is a fair-minded and independent pollster. And in this case, I think their corporate affection for Justin Trudeau is making them ask questions about Trudeau that, that are real questions. Because for months now, Trudeau has been trailing And trailing seriously, well beyond the margin of error, there is no pollster out there at all who doesn't think Trudeau's going to get walloped. In fact, the betting average is that Pierre Pauly would win a majority government. So the liberalness, or maybe just the curiosity of Abacus means they're going to try and find out what's going on. They're going to ask real questions. Is there a way back for Justin Trudeau? And this poll that I'm going to show you is great for that. Now, I took you through some of these results the other day. Uh, It'll look uh, familiar, but I want you to stay with me till I get to the last chart, which is unbelievable. So this poll is called Polyev's Conservatives Lead by 13 Over Liberals, a deep dive on why more than half of Canadians have a negative impression on Justin Trudeau. That's the key part. This is not just top line numbers. What, who would you vote for? What region? What gender? This is going deep, as they say, a deep dive on, uh, on why the haters hate him. 
So let me start with just the, the top line numbers anyways. You can see the polling results. The conservatives are at 39%. The liberals under Trudeau, 26%. The NDP at 18%. And I'm just going to whip through these ones because I sort of showed these to you the other day. The regional breakdown is amazing. Everywhere the liberals are behind, even in Quebec. What was the last time you saw that? Behind in the Atlantic? Have you ever seen that before? Here's another slide. They're behind in every age group. You know, incredible. I was in London the other day and I learned that only one only 1%, how can that even be? Only 1% of young people intend to vote for the Conservative Party over there. 1%. The young people are amongst the strongest support base for Pierre Polyev's Conservatives. But just, I've just never seen results like this before. It's a disaster for the Liberals. And like I say, Abacus wants to problem solve for Trudeau. I think by this point in time, we all know that Trudeau is behind by double digits. And here is Abacus trying to figure out what went wrong. Look at this slide here, for example. If you look at what it's called, these are people who voted liberal last time. So these are liberal voters who have now abandoned Trudeau. And they're basically asked, what would it take to bring you back? And, you know, getting rid of Trudeau is one of them. Mortgage rates falling is a big one. Economy improving, economy improving. Those are sort of related, aren't they? Those go to cost of living. Can people afford to live? If Polyev would win, would that spook you? Well, it's sort of obvious if you're not voting for the Liberals, Conservatives are going to win. Are you uncomfortable with Pierre Polyev? That's, that's the most promising one here. So that's a sign that the Liberals are going to go negative, hard negative, as they always do, to try and make Pierre Polyev as scary as possible. That's the liberal way. Now, so far, I think I've covered things that, that you sort of know of, and I think we've touched on these things before. But this is what I really wanted to show you. This is a chart, and we're just going to stay on this chart for a bit. Those liberal voters who have a negative impression of Justin Trudeau, so they voted liberal in 2021. That's just two years ago. So they voted for Trudeau. These aren't people like me. They're not people like you. They're not conservatives. They voted for Trudeau, and now they don't like him. And David Coletto and Abacus did something that I've never seen before. They said, why? Can we have an honest conversation? And I want to walk you through the items on this chart because this is just so interesting to me. The results are interesting, but even the fact that the question was asked this way is interesting, don't you think? So he just threw a, a bunch of answers. I, I, my guess is his methodology, and I haven't looked deep into it, is that he had an open, open-ended question, and he got a bunch of suggestions from the people, and then he put it back to the people, and he asked them to rank it, because there's some very interesting answers. I don't like him as a person. Now, only 23% of people answered that way, and I'm not surprised, because Justin Trudeau is... You know, I, I despise him ideologically. I despise his sociopathic style. I, I, but he, he feels like a nice guy. He feels friendly. He's not harsh or angry most of the time. I guess if he's talking about the unvaccinated, he can be quite brutal. But it's not surprising to me that only 23% of people say, I don't like him. Because he's sort of likable. That's actually his chief asset, isn't it? But look at this, 77% of these same people say, I'm tired of them. Isn't that the truth? I mean, when you're prime minister for eight years, people get a little tired of you. He got Canada into the mess it's in. 64% said yes. And remember, these are liberal voters. 36% of people say he can't get things back on track. 
I think they're right. He still wants the job of prime minister. Barely half of Canadian liberal voters think he still wants the job. I think he still wants the job. I think he has really no other job to go to. I think he is unpopular in foreign uh, circles. He used to love traveling internationally. Now no one has time for him. Um, I think he does want the job, and I think he wants to exceed his father's result. Remember, Pierre Trudeau was prime minister from 1968 to 1984. 16 years, just with one interregnum of Joe Clark, who was PM for nine months in the middle of that. I think Justin Trudeau wants to hit 16 years plus. He has lost the passion for the job of prime minister. Yes, that's true, but that doesn't mean he wants to leave. He absolutely is just phoning it in. He has a clear vision about where he wants to take the country. Only 14% of liberal voters, only 14% of liberal voters think that way. 86% say he doesn't have a clear vision of where he wants to take the country. And that is so evident. You know, he's had a couple of cabinet shuffles lately. Do you even understand what what was changed? Do you you even know what he stands for? I mean, he stands for the carbon tax. Does he stand for, I mean, he stands for calling people, I mean, I I guess he stands for gay rights. Um, But I don't even think he does, really. I think that's just a, a way for him to attack conservatives. But look at this. Look at this question pair. He's authentic and genuine. Nine percent of people agree with that. These are ex-liberals. Ninety-one percent say he is inauthentic and phony. These are liberal voters last time. Ninety-one percent say he's a phony. Isn't that true? Doesn't that ring true? You and I know that's true. He says he's a feminist, but he sexually assaulted Rose Knight in Creston, B.C., and when he was caught, he said, well, she experienced it differently. He says he's for racial inclusion, but he's the guy who dressed up in blackface in three different decades of his life, in his teens, his 20s, and 30s. Who does that? Seriously, I know a lot of people. I know people from different walks of life. I know fancy people, and I know plain people. I know city people, and I know country people. I know people of different ethnic and racial backgrounds, and I know I know people in my job. It's a fun part of my job. I get to meet people and talk to people. In my life, in my travels, I have never once ever met someone who has done blackface. Ever have you? I don't know anyone who I don't know anyone who knows anyone who knows anyone. Trudeau did it so many times he had like a kit for it. And he says he's anti-racist. Well, he's such a phony, 91% of Canadian voters who voted liberal and are falling out of love with him, 91% say he's phony and inauthentic. The only people that BS works on now is the media party. You know, in 2015 when he ran, he, um, he fooled a lot of people, but only 9% are still fooled, and they happen to work for the CBC. He's too cautious and doesn't promise enough. 18% of people, whereas 82% say he makes promises he can't keep. We all know that. I mean, you know what? The environment, the environment, do you care about the environment? I care about the environment in terms of the real environment. Clean air, clean water, clean soil. That's real environmentalism. 
carbon dioxide, how many puffs of CO2 are in the air. That's not real environmentalism. If you ask me, do I care about the environment? If I understand that you mean water, air, or earth, I'd say, yeah, I do care about that. Obviously, I want to live in a clean world. I just think that CO2 uh, worrying is BS. The reason I say that is Justin Trudeau promised to plant 2 billion trees. And of all his environmental promises, that's not a bad one. Now, by the way, I don't know why we need to plant any trees. Canada has more forests than anywhere else in the world, with the possible exception of Russia. We have enormous forests. We are an enormous carbon sink, if you care about that sort of thing. But if if I had to pick things to waste money on, um, green schemes and CO2 this and carbon credits and building windmills or planting 2 billion trees, it's oh, okay, yeah, planting 2 billion trees. You know, it's not a bad thing and gives people, you know, kids summer jobs planting the trees. That, But he can't even keep that promise. I don't know how many, have any trees been planted with that billion tree promise? He surrounds himself with yes people. 52% agree as opposed to 48% who says he doesn't listen to good advice. Both of those can be true, by the way. Oh, this is, this is spot on. He is trying to change too much of what makes Canada great. 44% agree with that. He's not trying to change enough about what is wrong with Canada. 56%. Well, I disagree with that. I think he's created certain things that are wrong with Canada. I just don't know what he what that pollster means. Are you talking about the economy or cost of living? I'm going to take issue with that question, although I like most of the other ones. Look at this. He doesn't want Canadians to be proud about Canada. 30% of people agree. 70% say he apologizes too much for things Canada has done in the past. Again, those two questions are not necessarily antagonistic. He absolutely apologizes too much about the past. And he does that for two reasons. First of all, to destroy the past so he can create Canada in his own image. But second of all, he does that so he gives you the simulation that he's apologizing for something he did. But he has never in his entire life ever apologized for anything. I'll give you the example of being caught sexually assaulting Rose Knight. He said, well, she experienced it differently. He is genetically incapable of saying, I'm sorry for something I did. That's why he's such an expert at apologizing for things in past decades or centuries. Um, it's, it's a way of pretending to apologize, but really it's a coded way of saying, I'm morally superior than them because I'll apologize for them since they didn't. So you know I'm better than them. I think Trudeau destroys the past for both reasons. But um, I think that's an incredible poll, don't you? Those last questions are just fascinating. I can't get over the fact that only 9% of people find him trustworthy and 91 find him a phony and inauthentic. 90 one percent, and I say for the fifth time, these are not conservative voters. These are people who voted liberal in 2021. I'm not even talking about ancient history, like 2015. Two years ago, these people were voting for Trudeau. Now they say he is a phony. And I've shown you these results, and I tell you this is from Abacus, a pro-liberal pollster. And I ask you, if this poll is reality, and I have no reason to think it isn't, 
If people despise Trudeau as much as this, and I see it in my own life. I see, you know, when I, I get into a taxi and I talk with the taxi driver, I am shocked by people who you would think demographically would be for, for Trudeau and the liberals. They raise it to me. I, I want to let you know, when I get into a cab, I do not raise politics. I do not bring my point of view. Why would I do that? If anything, I'm interested in the driver's point of view. I, I never show my cards. I am shocked by how many people, including new Canadians living in the greater Toronto area, bring up to me their despise for Justin Trudeau. And it's not because they know who I am. I put it to you that if 91% of people who voted for the Liberal Party in 2021 who have fallen out of love with Trudeau, 91% think he's a phony, then why is it that we're getting the media coverage we are? Because that's who the 9% are. I don't even know if they actually like Trudeau. They're just paid to like him. That's who the journalists are. Even this liberal pollster agrees. Stay with us. An interview with Alexa Lavoie is next. I'm back in Canada. I've been traveling a little bit, as you know. There's so much news in Canada. Of course, the Middle East is the focus of the news, but it has reverberations here at home. All across Canada, there have been pro-Hamas rallies. And I say that deliberately. They're not just pro-Palestinian. These marchers sometimes fly the flags of terrorist groups, the Taliban, Islamic Jihad. Uh, we we hear chants that are genocidal chants from the river to the sea, implying killing or kicking out every Jew between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. Intifada revolution. My point is that these are not just protests. These are hate marches, including Adil Charkawi, an Islamic extremist in Montreal who stood atop a skyscraper and preached that every Jew needed to be killed. Take a look at this clip from Montreal this week. Things are terrible here at home, but if you want to get a glimpse of Canada's future... I think London, England is a place to go because they are further down that road in terms of mass unassimilated immigration than Canada is. And I saw that with my own eyes a couple of weeks ago when I happened to be there during a 100,000 person hate march. It was astonishing. And I was very careful because I didn't have security with me. I didn't ask any provocative questions. I certainly didn't wear a poppy. I didn't have my Rebel News microphone flash. But it was very interesting and terrifying nonetheless. Well, tomorrow is a very ominous day in London, and here's why. Of course, it's Remembrance Day in the United Kingdom as well. It's a very solemn commemoration there. They lost many lives in both world wars. It's as close to a secular holy day as you get, I suppose. And yet tomorrow, uh, uh, November 11th, Remembrance Day, is the day chosen by the pro-Hamas activists to have another one of their marches. So you have the once-a-year Remembrance Day ceremony at the Cenotaph in Whitehall. And at the exact same time, you have 100,000 protesters saying they will march through the streets. What will happen with this clash of values? 
Will it become a clash of fists? What will the police do? Will they be rolled over as they have been so many times recently? Well, we've sent someone to find out. Our chief Quebec correspondent, Alexa Lavoie, landed in London this morning. She joins us now live via Skype on the eve of this potential showdown. Alexa, great to see you, and thank you for traveling to London for us. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be here and to report on. I think it will be a really important story because we see that right now there is already some police uh, on guard. Uh, we know that um, police were concerned also. They asked both of uh, the protesters to cancel and to change the date for their protest. Both of them refused. And we will see like what will happen because police are have concern about probably like illegal activities or probably some vandalism that might happen. Well, not just vandalism. When I was there a couple of weeks ago, during the day, the protest was angry and vile, but it was peaceful. But by nightfall, when some of the middle-aged people and the, and the families went home, what was left on the streets but young, hot-headed, hot-blooded men who were looking for a fight. And so while the, while the protest was peaceful during the day, night falls in the United Kingdom around 5 p.m. these days. By 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, you had still thousands of young men who were looking for action. And they got it by fighting with the cops. Now, you mentioned two groups of protesters because, of course, you have the pro-Hamas protesters, but now some pro-British protesters, including some led by our alumnus, Tommy Robinson, say they're going to have a support the Veterans March. So you've got the Remembrance Day uh, proceedings, you have the pro-Hamas marchers, and then you have some British defend the veterans. Like it, You are going to have a lot of different people jostling on those streets. I don't know if the, if the Metropolitan Police are up to it. I think they're going to be outnumbered, first of all. What do you think? Are you sensing anything? You say there's some cops out there already. Tomorrow's the big day. What does it feel like now? Are there police encampments yet? But you need you need to understand that for the British already this weekend it's a busy weekend, uh, not only because on the Sunday there will be the king and there will be like all the ro royal family that will come for honoring the veteran and for uh, having a big celebration. And we know that on the Saturday too they will have like a, a lot of people in the street for that weekend. Mm -hmm. And so the police. <laughs> I think they will, they will not have the, the number of manpower on the ground to deal with not only the tourists, but also the pro-Palestinian, but also the, the pro-British one. So I think it will be really interesting because I don't think uh, police will be uh, enough number for dealing with that. You know, I remember during the pandemic that uh, anti-lockdown protesters, anti-vaccine mandate protesters, they were dealt with brutally by British police. Now, British police typically are not armed. They don't have guns. But still, they have batons, they have their fists, they throw people in the back of paddy wagons. So we know that the British police can be forceful when they are politically instructed to be forceful. But I can't help but note that the mayor of London is an uh, Islamist 
advocate named uh, S- Sadiq Khan. And I'm not just saying that because he's Muslim. He was a terrorist lawyer. He was a lawyer for terrorists before he became mayor. So he is very comfortable with Hamas and Hezbollah. Those are his people. And that's one reason he's in office is that the number of migrants to London is so large and so many of them are Islamist in their inclination that Sadiq Khan handily uh, won the mayoralty. And that's what I mean by London is sort of a preview of Canada if we keep going down this road. Now, Alexa, I want to point out to our viewers that we have sent you not only with a cameraman, but with two bodyguards. And mm-hmm. I want to put that on the record because when I went there two weeks ago, I was sort of unprepared for it and I didn't do anything too risky and I wasn't really at any conflict point. But even I had a few touch and go moments. I want our viewers to know that you will have two bodyguards. And let me just appeal to you personally, if a situation gets very violent, I would hope that you, the bodyguards and the cameraman, would withdraw to a safe distance. There's no story that's worth getting beat up. And I know you know that. I know you're very careful. But I just want to let you know that I would prefer it if you didn't if you weren't right in the fray, but we'll re, you know it's your judgment call. We certainly want to report on the news, but we want to keep you safe, my friend. Yeah, and especially because we will not only report during the day, but as people know, it's mostly during the night at the end of the protest when the part of the protester left that everything is happened, like vandalism or other like Ill- illegal activities. So we'll stay on the ground all day to be able like to really portray what happened during that day. Well, we've set up a special website. I think it's called battleforlondon.com. And we're going to have your tweets there and your videos there. And, um, you know, this isn't just speculative on our part. In the past few weeks, so many memorials, statues, for example, the Winston Churchill statue was vandalized. There's a statue for Alex Haig if I'm remembering the name of the general correctly, that Palestinian protesters put all their flags on. So there's sort of been a gentle desecration. I I don't know if spray paint is considered a gentle desecration, but there's been graffiti, vandalism, and uh, sort of a a mild desecration of these symbols. And I think the reason why tomorrow is such a big deal is that it is is a symbolic day for Brits. It's Remembrance Day. So this bad behavior that that these pro-Hamas protesters have engaged in over the last few weeks, tomorrow it's going to really prickle people the wrong way. I'm glad you're on the ground to take a look at things. But let me just take a minute of your time to talk about what you saw in Montreal yesterday and the day before. You got on the plane to London last night. But before you got on the plane, you went to a Jewish school in Montreal that actually had been shot with bullets. Why don't you tell our viewers a little bit about that and what you make about what's going on in your home city of Montreal? But I think um, the individual who shot at the two schools wanted to make that as a symbol to see that um, the it's an anti-Semitic like, uh, act. We can see it. They wanted people to be afraid. But the thing is, when I arrived on the ground there, they were young kids about about 9, 10, 11 years old that actually stay at that school. And, and they were really afraid. And they were telling me, like, they don't understand why they are getting targeted. Mm-hmm. Um, so both of them had, like, a bullet shot in the middle of the two door. 
And one of the school, the bullet passed through the first door and actually broke into the second door. Um, what I can say is like, according to someone who were on the ground, he saw the footage of the security camera and he told me that he appeared to be a man. The man was by uh, foot and he came towards the door and he shot and he left. Hmm. So this is clearly a rising anti-Semitic behavior that we are seeing happening in Montreal. And I'm not surprised when we see like Adele Shakawi doing like this kind of speech and nobody is stopping him. The police is not doing anything. Uh, he's not charged for a hate crime. Um, so because there is no impact of what they are doing, they permit themselves to go further and further. And now we see like the repercussion. And now we see that some children's school are being like targeted. Yeah. And of course, in Toronto, any Jewish institution or just an institution run by Jews. So they've gone after restaurants. They've gone after chapters Indigo because its founders Jewish. She's born in Montreal. She's not part of the Israeli government or anything, but they were smearing her store with blood red paint. And it's just, it, it is a kind of madness. And that's why I'm interested in your trip to London, because I think they're further down that road than we are in terms of the number of unassimilated Islamic migrants who support jihad. Like, I, I look forward to your perspective on it. I spent a few hours in the midst of the protests, and, and it, I was deeply struck by what I saw. I looked very much forward to what you have to say. And hey, can you do me a favor? Can you do at least one of your reports en français? Because you're obviously French is your first language. I We really want your work in English. But I think if you did a report or two in French, I think it would be well watched by people in Quebec and people in France. Because this march, this showdown in London, I think is an international story. At least we think so, which is why we're sending you there. Um, tell me if there's anything that uh, you're going to keep a special eye out for tomorrow. Is there something that you're planning to cover in particular? Is some place you're going to go, or what? What? What's your plan tomorrow? So we are planning to um, go and see the Patriots first because they are the first to meet together. Uh, the Patriot, the British Patriot, who are there for uh, protecting uh, the Cenofac. Um, uh, so we are going there first, and afterwards we are going where um, the pro-Palestine will uh, meet, uh, and we will follow the protest, but we will also keep an eye on every si single sign, uh, our speech, or we try to engage conversation with uh, some of the people in the protest, and uh, as I say, we will keep our feet on the ground until late at night to be able to catch if there is anything that is happening that uh, is a criminal action or other um, other incident. Well, I'm so glad you're there. Again, let me just state again, the most important thing to me, Alexa, more than getting any story is your personal safety. And I know you've suffered for your journalism before in Ottawa during the convoy. You were actually shot by a riot gun with a cop. Now, there's no way you can protect against that. And as our viewers know, we're suing that uh, police officer and we intend to follow that all the way to the end for you. Tomorrow, it's my hope that you will be safe with the two big burly security guards we have 
have for you. So it is my ardent desire that you return home to us unscathed. Thank you for your courage, my friend. Thanks for your sense of adventure to get on an airplane on extremely short notice. Um, and um, I'm looking forward to your coverage. And folks, you can follow that at Battle for London. Dot com. Good luck, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. We look forward to it. Thanks, Alexa. Thank you. All right, there you have it. Alexa Lavoie, who is in London. She just arrived a few hours ago. Tomorrow, she'll cover the Remembrance Day uh, ceremony and whether or not the protesters disrupted. Stay with us. Your letter's next. Instead of reading your mail, I want to leave you with some final thoughts. I'm very excited that Alexa Lavoie is in London. And I, I go there from time to time. I used to go to London when Tommy Robinson was on our staff, and I had to go there to help with his legal battles. And uh, and I went again a couple of weeks ago for the ARC conference that Jordan Peterson ran. And while I was there, I took in this huge uh, pro-Hamas protest. And uh, you could call it pro-Palestinian, but it was mainly pro-Hamas. It was a shocking, uh, shocking protest. Um and my view, my observation, my understanding of what I saw there is that that place is a few years later down the road than we are. What I mean by that is in terms of mass immigration and some of the demographic trends and the political trends. And I think that France is further down the road. Sweden is the furthest down the road. France is next furthest down the road. Then the UK. Canada is behind the UK and America is the last on this trend. What you see in the streets of London is a premonition of what we will have in Canada, too. And so I want Alexa on the ground to report what it's like when on Remembrance Day, the pro-Hamas faction says, no, no, in that old chant, whose streets are streets, whose streets are streets. The combination of Antifa plus Islamists together is something to behold on the streets. I want us to be there to report it. Check out her footage, her reports tomorrow at battleforlondon.com. I'm going to get up early because, of course, she'll be on the street in the morning, probably 9 a.m. London time, which is 5 a.m. Toronto time. I'll be probably sleep in until 6 a.m. I want to see what's going on. I'm excited and nervous. We have um, facilitated two bodyguards, and if there's the same bodyguards, who I think they are, that were at Avi's book launch, uh, we could go there. Big, big guys. So I think we're going to protect uh, Alexei. I would hate it if anything happened to her. I think she's doing great already, and I think she's sort of excited to be there. So tune in for battleforlondon.com tomorrow. I'll be back on Monday. Until then, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters and around the world, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom. <laughs>